Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 157. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And this is the episode for the week of Monday, March 31st. Uh, it's our birthday episode, kind of. Sort of. Happy birthday to us. I know. Few people know this, but the site actually launched uh, the first week of April six years ago. Yeah. Six years. It's been a long time. I know. And, and then on top of that, the podcast, coincidentally, it was not planned. The podcast launched three years ago, the same week. So the podcast will always be three years younger than the site, but the show now is three years old. We're out of the I'm, terrible twos. Now we got to start potty training. I know. <laughs> were we just talking about that with our kids? We were. And dogs and water mains? Yes. I had a water main break in my house. Well, it wasn't the main. It was just a secondary water pipe break in my basement that broke sometime over the winter, and we just discovered it when water ran through it the other night. But the beauty part about it is it was so little that it was thought that the dog peed on the rug. Good news is the dog didn't pee on the rug, and we get a new rug. <laughs> I guess that's a win-win in any it, book. It, what more can you ask for, really? I <laughs> I have no answer for that. So let's go into our sponsors. Sponsors, we're sorry. Please don't leave us. I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Uh, also, to our good friends over at 4814, without whom... Uh, well, we could make a show, but we wouldn't have any place to put it. 4814, 48-14.com is your place for all the best hosting you can get anywhere. Those guys are just plain awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And our friends over at EagleMossLimited.com. You can uh, check them out. Go to our site, and up at the top, you'll see a banner. It has some, uh, the USS Enterprise on it. EagleMoss Limited makes all the officially licensed uh, full metal miniatures for Star Trek. They have a deal with CBS and with Paramount. They also have Doctor Who ones. They have Firefly ones. I got mine in the mail finally. And if you are listening to the pre-show, you got to see it. It is just awesome. I'm really, really happy it's in my collection now. It now shows up the rest of my collection. Uh, I'm hooked. I'm going to have to get the entire series now because the rest of my ships just look kind of dinky next to it. It's a gateway drug. It's how they get you. Awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> is that our show title? We're just awesome, awesome, awesome. No, I think our I think our show title might be Flatter Droids. After um, what we had a, a new member in the pre-show from Russia, uh, Lana from Russia, Russia. Evidently, she's not Russia. She's from Russia. Evidently, likes the sound of my voice, even as it's stuttering. So that was nice. Hey, if you're not part of our pre-shows yet, you really should be because they're fun. And they're yeah, getting more fun. fun. Yeah. They're getting funner? Funnister? Funnister. Uh, in fact, if uh, if we can get at least 20 people in the pre-show, Schmitty has promised to uh, drop some dope beats. That's right. So the, you 20 le lucky listeners out there that join us on that fateful day <laughs> shall get some beats. <laughs> we're, we're going for a world record of most people to simultaneously hit mute on the internet at once. <laughs> Which I guess actually is the definition of simultaneous. Yep. They'll also be redundant. <laughs> Redundantly redundant. 
I'm running on two hours of sleep, okay? I have an excuse for this. I don't know about you guys. No, I'm just dumb. <laughs> Into our headlines this week. This week was very interesting. Not a lot of headlines, but the ones that we had were kind of big. And all from a business standpoint, strangely. Our first one comes from BlackBerry, because why not? And the headline here really says it all. BlackBerry liquidates most of its Canadian real estate. Weren't we just talking about potty training? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a word to be used lightly, though, here. Liquidate. That basically means they're getting rid of it at whatever price they can just to get money. Yeah. But, you know, they're doing it so they can focus on their core business of failing. <laughs> well, and yeah, the Waterloo headquarters, of which I happen to know we are listening to a lot there, um, will remain intact. But around 3 million square feet of property around Canada uh, will be either sold or leased back to other entities for money. Fun. Yeah. So I guess we'll find uh, out what their core business is finally. This comes... Um, this comes a week after it's announced that the White House is thinking of dropping BlackBerry as their phone of choice, and they're they're testing on different Androids. Um, and actually, at the same time, I, I don't have it in the show notes here, but they're not CEO, but CEO, but interim CEO has announced that they're going to start prosecuting uh, leakers, people who leak plans and devices to the press. From BlackBerry? Yeah. Can why, they do that? Why would anyone care? Because nobody uh, does now. It makes kind of sense in this case. BlackBerry is living quarter to quarter. I mean, they're hemorrhaging money. They're losing staff. They're losing steam. And they're losing face, most importantly. You know, HTC was kind of in the same boat, but people still respected HTC. They still said, well, if HTC is coming out with a new phone, we'll see what it's like. You know, there was always that hope. And indeed, the HTC One, the M8, launched this week, and people were re rewarded for it. In this case, a lot of times these leaks come from BlackBerry, and everyone is immediately, oh my gosh, can you imagine how stupid this phone is? I mean, we're guilty of it. We've done it. A leak will come out. The phone isn't nearly what it needs to be to compete. And here we are already forming an opinion of it and communicating that opinion weeks before the phone has even launched. It launches to a deficit. Now, that's that's not our fault. The phone sucks if it sucks. Yeah, I was going to say, that's there's nothing wrong with that. If the phone is a piece of crap, and we say it's a piece of crap, we haven't been wrong. That one we saw down at NMX a couple years ago was a disaster. It was a horrible disaster. It was a hot mess. This has happened ever since the beginning of the industry. We always have leaks. We always um, form opinions of a product before it comes out. This isn't new. Right, but typically, when we form an opinion of a product before it comes out, it's just an opinion. It isn't, by the way, we've also went hands-on with the product before it launched, and this is why there's an NDA in place. People who review the phone can't talk about it till it launches. Because yeah, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a valid point. They, they don't want this kind of press happening until the phone's actually out in the market, because otherwise it happens weeks before it launches. Then what's the point of launching it? Well, and a lot of times the NDAs are valid for up to two or three years after a product launches. 
Mm-hmm. So you still can't even talk about the product even after it launches? So you can't talk about its pre-release state uh, before the product launches. Once it's out there, you can talk about it all you want, but you can't say, hey, I tested this. These are the problems that they were having. Now, of course, every NDA is different, but that, right. that is fairly But in many common. cases, these leaks that are happening may be pre-release launches. They may not be the final product, but they're getting leaked so often that BlackBerry is getting just swamped with negative press and this is going to be the worst device in history and what's BlackBerry doing and bring back our physical keyboards because we're dinosaurs or get rid of the physical keyboards because you're all dinosaurs before they can even get the phone out the door. (laughs) So, I mean, in that way, I kind of understand. I don't know who this guy is, this interim CEO. We talked about this. Oh, geez. How long has he been in that position? Um, Over a year now? Longer than interim. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I want to say Stark was still on the show. Permanent interim CEO. <laughs> Stark, we talked about this with Stark. Who now is host of the Starfleet Academy podcast, heard here on Stolen Droids. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, they're doing quite well, actually. Um, But this guy, and I'm trying to find his name again, because he's been so under the radar that I, I can't even remember his name. And it's not even in any news article I'm pulling up. <laughs> well, there's a picture of an Asian guy standing in front of John a Chen. Blackberry Chen, logo. John Chen. Yeah, that's which I don't know. Sounds almost made up. It's just generic Chinese name here. Um, his name should have been Jackie or you know Tiger. Jack- Jackie Chen. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. That wasn't intentionally racist, but. It's okay, yeah, you're Asian, you was. can do that. Okay, here's the fact of the matter, all you white people out there. We don't all look the same, but many of us do have the same name. <laughs> and Jackie anyway. is not an Asian name. Let me just no, you don't say, really? <laughs> but anyway, so... does any? I don't even think BlackBerry knows what to do anymore. I get the feeling that Mr. Chen, this current CEO, was brought in saying, okay, look, you're CEO as long as it takes to perform triage on this forever, how long that may be. Yeah, I think that's at the the point when they realize that they're already behind and so they need to do anything to either catch up or just save face. And it's kind of what they're doing now with this liquidation, so... I get the feeling it was a very painful realization. Mm -hmm. Do you guys remember when Stephen Elop came out uh, as the head of Nokia and had to write in that huge memo to everyone, hey, look, everyone, this is your platform. It's been burning, and you just threw gasoline on it. Your platform is burning and sinking into the ocean, and they got mad. Nokia employees got mad and when they uh, said that they were going to move to Windows Phone. Over a 1,000 of them walked out. They never got to this point. BlackBerry is past that point. The CEO has said, things are burning, things are going down, we've got to sell everything or else we're all going to go bankrupt. <laughs> I'm wondering at what point he just says, you know what, I'm interim, I'm out. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I'm going to name, name a new CEO, first person who raises their hand, CEO. <laughs> it's like, last. So who's left? <laughs> who do we have left? Not it. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, not it. You owe me a Coke. Have fun. I'll be off working at HTC. 
suckers. <laughs> or working at Huawei, which we uh, more interesting news came out this week. So again, a year ago, I want to say, Huawei decided to pull out of the U.S. market amongst rumors that they were trying to spy on us. You remember this? Because and these rumors aren't just a year ago; they've been perpetuated. We can't let Huawei into the U.S. We can't let them do business here. We don't want their 4G LTE repeaters. We don't want any of their networking stuff because they're Chinese. And the head of Huawei used to be Chinese intelligence. And they're just going to spy on us. And that's fact. That's why we can't let them in. We'll bring them before Congress. We'll slander them left and right. And Huawei just said, you know what? Fine. We won't then. Have fun. Well, it came to light this week that the entire time... We were trying to say, you know, we as in America, not we as in stolen droids, but America was trying to convince ourselves that they were going to want they wanted to spy on us. It turns out the NSA was actively spying on them. Yeah. And not just actively spying, like they were planting evidence. <laughs> it gets pretty shady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and reportedly, they've been spying on them for years. Um, the entire time trying to actively link the, this guy to the communist party. I don't, uh... it kind of makes you wonder if all the allegations towards Huawei were because of, um, of these planted, uh, I don't know, back doors and whatnot. Um, or, or if some of that, some of that worry was merited, you know, was it all the NSA's work or? Well, that that's a valid question, actually. It doesn't take much for some congressman somewhere to hear, oh, did you hear? The NSA is investigating Huawei on alleged connections to the communist intelligence. Well, okay, it's not that far out of the realm of possibility to then for that congressman to say, well, look, they wouldn't be investigating them unless there was something shady going on there. I think we need to bring this up. I think we need to look into this. Little did they know that the NSA wasn't looking into them because there was reasonable doubt. The NSA was looking into them because it was Tuesday and they were bored. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of how the NSA does these things. Yep. You know, I'm I'm reading a book right now called The Blacklist by Brad Thor. And it came out shortly before all of this NSA spying on everyone hit the news. And he pretty much nails, hits the nail on the head in this whole thing that the government is just constantly spying on us. They're constantly spying on everyone in the world for whatever reasons they deem appropriate. And I personally think there's going to come a time where they turn around, and I'm sure it's already happening, where they come around and say, we've got this stuff on you. This is what you're going to do. We own you. Mm -hmm. And do you think that maybe some of that was going on with Huawei? They're coming I, out saying, hey, you know, we've got this information. We're going to make your life difficult unless you do whatever we want. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibilities, but how often has that really happened? How often do we not hear about we this know, stuff? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. Tinfoil hat time. Yeah. <laughs> We're all wearing it now. <laughs> well, and it's not even that we're all wearing tinfoil hats. The honest fact of the matter is, is what do we even know anymore? What do we even believe? I believe that the government's spying on us. 
But at the same time, are we to believe then that Huawei has been entirely innocent this whole time? I believe that everybody is guilty. Until proven innocent. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to governments, I believe they're all guilty. But that's because I'm crazy, wacko, nut job guy. Everything is fake. Nothing is real. Uh, we're all just uh, programs in the Matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it doesn't matter who's spying on who. They're all jacked into our brains. <laughs> That's a scary thought. Yeah. I I don't know. I would like to see Huawei come back, if only because uh, they're not a bad company, honestly. They produce good stuff. They produce good hardware, and it would help kick the U.S. industry back in the, you know, in the butt to try and get us to jumpstart our own things. I think I think it's a real scary, slippery slope. For every time it looks like a foreign competitor is going to come in and force U.S. companies to do things better, all we have to do is accuse them of possible espionage, and boom, they're booted out of the country. Yeah. It's kind of weird, though, that they ha- we haven't heard anything like this on any other foreign companies. I mean, Nokia is fine. LG is fine. HTC is um, fine. Because, you know, Canada and, and Sweden or Finland aren't really enemies. <laughs> We're not really worried about them. We're scared to death of China. Yeah. But if you listen to the government, China's our friend. Why should we be afraid of them? Well, they're also our our creditor, so you don't badmouth your bank. (laughs) Uh, Into other money news. Big money and kind of out of nowhere. Oculus Rift, the VR company that makes that really cool virtual reality headgear, has been sold to Facebook. Now, if you did not hear about this this week, either you aren't interested in this news anyway, or you were on the moon because it has been all over the place. They bought them for over $2 billion. And immediately this has raised a lot of red flags. First off is the question of what the first off is the question of the Kickstarter backers. Oculus Rift started as a Kickstarter. People were, it was one of their success stories, really. People went through the roof trying to fund this, trying to get this company off the ground, get it going. We wanted our virtual reality, and this looked like the best chance to get it. And it still is the best bit of kit to get it. However, instead of making a company and bringing a retail product out, they took that money and got some angel investors, got more money. And once they got more money, they sold it to Facebook. So a lot of Kickstarter backers are now very upset that what they feel like is that they've been played. They put money into a product only to have people turn that into more money and get no product. That's a very, that's an understandable emotional response. And I don't think I can speak one way or another on that because it's their money and how they feel about it is, is up to them, but it has definitely weakened the strength of Kickstarter and a lot of people are looking much more cynically now at all these tech companies that are getting their start on Kickstarter. Well, I think it's interesting, too. And I was not aware of this, but uh, my the CEO of the company uh, for which I work came out a few months ago and visited with us. And we got into a discussion about Kickstarter. And he pointed out the fact that people who pay money to back these products or these services that are trying to get funding – even though there's the backer rewards, 
Like if you pay X amount of dollars, you get a Oculus Rift. There's no guarantee in the you are gambling in the yeah the fine print says basically you're just paying for this and if they give you something great, and I think now a it's really it's really putting Kickstarter on shaky ground. People are starting to realize that you know there's all these this fine print and there's all these things that could happen with Facebook coming in and buying you up. Now, to be fair, Kickstarter has never claimed to be anything but this. In fact, True. in the wake of all this, they have specified that they were always about supporting the creators, never about supporting a product. Right. And if you contribute to a Kickstarter, you should remember that. And they're right. Uh, this is something that people should have realized all along. When you put your money to any to, to any uh, to fund, there's a good chance they'll never get off the ground. And in some crowdsourcing uh, functions, they get to keep the money anyway. And in some, they have to refund it back. And it just kind of depends, you know, on on which crowdsourcing site they're using. But the fact of the matter is, is you may never get the return on it that you were expecting. Yeah. Though to, to uh, kind of attach on to that point, everyone who uh, who has donated the amount of money to get the Oculus Rift, which is, which I believe was three hundred dollars, um, has gotten it. So the dev no kit. We should specify kit. the yeah. dev kit. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a bare minimum. Uh, it comes with the uh, development software kit, um, but still they they have gotten what they were promised. Um, however, it's kind of a a lot of them feel a little bit gypped because. I mean, yeah, it's a dev kit, and some of them are legitimately making uh, games for it, but a lot of them don't want to work with Facebook. Uh, Marcus Person, who is the developer of, of Minecraft, uh, he tweeted, you know, within within like 12 hours of the announcement, he tweeted, we were in talks about maybe bringing a version of Minecraft to Oculus. I just canceled that deal. Facebook creeps me out. <laughs> so, I mean, there are developers that just don't want to deal with Facebook. So... And are these people right to feel betrayed like this? Are they justified in feeling the way that they feel? Well, let's specify. Do you mean the backers or do you mean the developers? Both. Okay, well, let's take the backers first. Again, the backers, you can't say one way or another. My my approach to it is if you feel that they used your money badly, sorry, it's not your money anymore. Right. Once you gave it to someone else, you gave it to someone else. Um, if you if, got the reward that you paid for, then then – you're you're good. You're as far as the business end is 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 concerned. You got what you what you chipped in for. So yeah, I feel bad if you put in two hundred and ninety dollars and all you got was an okay, thanks. Yeah, then I'd feel bad for you. But at the same time, that's on you then that you didn't put the extra five dollars in. I mean, you knew what the risks were, but you're not wrong for feeling this is kind of shady. It's not illegal. It's not against policy. It may not be entirely kosher either. You know, so we can't really say if it's good or bad that you feel this way. Just you know, next time, maybe buyer beware for the developers. Um, this kind of leads into the next part of this. Uh, so let's hold off on the developer part. When we first heard this, I think all three of us, our reactions were, what? <laughs> I mean, there's really not much to say other than that. 
<laughs> Why does Facebook need a virtual reality console? For Farmville, duh. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the snap reaction everyone has is, why does Facebook need this? Oh, is Facebook going to be interactive now? Um, and, and the obvious answer is probably no. But, yeah. and, and uh, because of the media reaction to this, Mark Zuckerberg probably would have um, been better off creating a, a, a spin-off company before he bought this so it wasn't under the Facebook name to create such a an adverse reaction. But, a new subsidy of Zucktech. <laughs> Zucktech. <laughs> That's probably not a good name. <laughs> but but you see what I mean? Z-teca. I mean like he's probably not going to use it in, in Facebook. He's probably has he probably has really good plans for it, but the first reaction that everyone had was Heck no, you know. <laughs> that's our new. Uh, that's our uh, show title: is Zucktech subsidy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, an, a, a journalist brought up a good point about this, and that is that Facebook does not want to buy Oculus Rift, and they don't want to buy WhatsApp, and they don't want to buy any of these things to turn them into Facebook. Which might be a little presumptuous of a journalist to say, because maybe they really do. But really, Facebook is worried about being in charge of what is going to replace Facebook. They're trying to look at the future and say, okay, what's coming down the pipe that will replace us? Because we want in on that. You know, they're looking at the long-term game, and that kind of makes sense. Now, the guys who made the Oculus Rift actually went to Reddit afterwards the day afterwards and they were answering questions as best they could in real time to everyone on reddit and some people were well some people were reddit and some people had legitimate questions and were asking and they were doing their best to answer and they did bring up one interesting point that according to them this just means that facebook owns the ipo now they just own the property but that they won't be managing it or affecting its development in any way that you won't have to log into Facebook to do this, that it won't be branded Facebook. Why on earth would they want that? They have nothing to do with it. They can't do anything with it. But if you're going to spend $2 billion, you're going to have input. I don't care who right. you are. If you're going to put that kind of money down, you're going to have a say in what's going on with the product. Only if it's not making you money anymore. If you buy a property and it's still making just gads of money, just let them do what they're doing. But I agree, if they're not making money then they'll probably step in. Now, the the creators are very, very happy with this because as they point out, everything that they had to make with the Oculus Rift was like low-end, old cell, gra- cell phone-grade quality. The screen, everyone said the screen was not that great. It was because they were using surplus, you know, LCDs from old cell phones. They were hobbling together whatever they could. They didn't have the money to put into actual hardware. The software side of it's easy. You can create software from scratch. All you need is notepad. Notepad and enough, you know, Schmitty can create works of art from nothing more than a text editor. Give him enough time and enough direction, he'll he'll create the Sistine Chapel. Hardware is a completely different thing. It doesn't take just willpower and a lot of Mountain Dew to create hardware. You actually need money and material and, uh, you know, a manufacturing plant and a warehouse and... Mountain Dew and hardware don't really mix, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in, in that way, they just did not have the capital or the funds, and they're really excited because they say this deal with Facebook will provide them the capital they need to actually create good hardware. 
Really, though, how much money do you need to hire a bunch of Chinese kids? <laughs> 12 cents a year? I'm trying to think of the way to an answer that. <laughs> That's still funny, but not just horrible. Especially considering that just today news broke that a factory worker died in a Chinese electronics manufacturing plant from CO2 poisoning. Was it Foxconn? Um, I don't remember. I don't think they actually even said. Because nets won't stop CO2. I know. They'll stop the splat, but they won't stop the CO2. Dude, you are on one tonight. <laughs> I'm horrible. Okay, let's move on um, then, I guess. On that, yeah. on that happy note. So, and this is kind of a follow-up from... Uh, this is a follow-up from last week and from many weeks ago, too. Uh, we talked about those drones that Facebook is using. I guess it wasn't last week. It was the week before. But Facebook is getting these drones, this fleet of drones, for some reason. And Schmitty speculated, well, in a very educated manner, that it was all about getting Internet to areas that don't currently have it using these high-altitude drones. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, he nailed it. In addition, they're also really excited to put other technology in there as well, like lasers. He doesn't really specify what he means by that. I'm, I'm guessing he means telecommunication systems using lasers. He said freaking lasers on their heads. That's what yeah, he just says lasers. <laughs> and I'm convinced now that between the drone fleet, the comment about lasers, um, buying up all the apps he can, and now buying a virtual reality, that Zuckerberg is trying to set him up to be a re himself up to be a real life Bond villain. <laughs> So we, so we have copper internet, we have fiber internet, we have satellite internet, and now we'll have drones with laser internet. <laughs> that sounds either really cool or really, really dangerous. <laughs> or both. Laser internet. YouTube comments have never heard it's hurt so much. <laughs> I just said herded. Like I'm a four-year-old. You know, you see all of the warnings like on the laser pointer. Don't point at the eyes, you know, prolonged Do not exposure. aim this internet at people. Yeah, prolonged exposure may cause impotence, you know, that kind of stuff. What's going to happen when they're shooting lasers at everyone? Entire cities are getting shot by laser. Everybody's going to go blind. We're all going <laughs> to not have kids anymore because our goodies will be cooked. Look, Mom, at the internet drone. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> Just look down at your, your iPad. <laughs> I... Okay, not to turn this political or anything, but I can only imagine what it's going to be like in some of these areas in like 10, 15 years. There's a drone overhead. All you know is it's American. It may be looking at you, shooting you with lasers, giving you telecommunications, cell phone service, or dropping a hellfire on you. Or all of the above. It doesn't matter I, because you have Facebook now. <laughs> and let's not forget delivering your Amazon package. Exactly, exactly. With a laser. Uh, I I, I want to see Zuckerberg get a mountain lair, a volcanic lair. He needs one. Or his own island. Yeah. Well, his, maybe that's why he's getting these. His ulterior motive is to scope out the island or, or volcano where he will have his lair. His very own Skull Crusher Mountain. <laughs> Candy Mountain. He's going to. Well, all we need to worry about is in a couple of years when the new Facebook redesign comes out, and it's called like Project Goldfinger or something. Yep. Okay, into some financial news. Financial news we will not try and 
go into the heart of because we've covered part of it before and the part we haven't covered we're bad at. But the IRS has put forth the U.S. government's first official stance on Bitcoin. Uh, it makes no surprise to me that the IRS should be the one leading the charge on this. After all, you don't mess with the IRS. They're the ones who caught Capone. But Bitcoins, they say, are not currency. At least they don't view it that way. They're property. Now, what does that mean? What does it know? What do we know that it means? Well, first off, it means if you were hoping to avoid paying taxes by getting rid of all your money by buying Bitcoins, you may have done a very bad thing. <laughs> yeah, this raises a lot of questions for me because what is Bitcoin? From what we understand, it's um, it's just a digital representation of a currency, right? So if if Bitcoin is property that can be taxed, what does that mean about all the other things we dump money into that are digital? Well, in this way, I, I see what they're saying in this way, because technically they're absolutely right. If they go by letter of the law and all sorts of letters of codes and whatnot, they are absolutely right. Since the U.S. does not recognize Bitcoin as a controllable currency, then, but you can still buy things with it, then technically you're not buying you're trading. bartering. Yeah, okay. And if you're bartering, well, that must mean it's a material good because that's what you use to barter. You are bartering Bitcoin for things. Hmm. And in that way, then yeah, it must be taxable as a property. I can't barter my digital album of U2's greatest hits for a, an iPhone? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> What Just about saying. people who have virtual cows in Farmville? You got to pay a livestock tax if you have real cows in Texas. Wasn't that only like in the Ukraine when that happened? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, they are property in Ukraine. <laughs> so I think this is actually very, very smart on it. But it also says, means that um, we won't support it. We won't recognize it. But we're sh we'll sure tax you for it. That's how the government works, though. Well, I'm like very anti-government tonight. We should probably like try and steer clear of these so I don't get on any more watch lists that I'm already on. Tonight? Tonight? I, I'm feeling uh, snarky. I don't know. Um, if, if anyone's wondering when I say that they got Capone, if you look at the history of Al Capone, the FBI knew that he was the head of a crime family. They knew he was linked in numerous schemes and murders and racketeering and all sorts of different stuff. They could never pin it on him. They could never get a conviction. He was the Teflon Don before John Gotti. Yes. Yes. He, I mean, he stayed out of, he stayed out of prison nearly his entire career from being so good at it. Well, the problem was is that I want to say that his business card read that he was a furniture salesman, something like that, something real innocuous. And the IRS noticed that for 25 years or so, he didn't claim an income tax. And so they went after him for income tax evasion. Mm -hmm. They got him on an audit. <laughs> that's, that's how Capone went to prison for the rest of his life was on income tax evasion. Which is why there's a classic Batman animated series episode, Joker's Millions, when the Joker inherits all this money and gets audited by the IRS and is freaking out. And he even says to his guys, look, I'm crazy enough to take on the Batman. I won't take on the IRS. <laughs> and they have even more power now than they did back in the 30s when they took Capone down. Mm-hmm. And even more than they did in the 90s when they took Joker down. 
Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't really see this affecting a whole lot of people. I don't foresee any one person owning so much Bitcoin that it should ruin them. Since most people but, were affected by the Mt. Gox incident, <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably look at it the same way if you were a rancher and you owned a lot of cattle, a lot of heads of cattle, and they all died right before audit tax season. <laughs> okay, um, Google Glass. Google um, released a PR statement that wasn't a PR statement, but if you read it, it's kind of a PR statement on their Google Plus page. And it was a top 10 frequently asked questions about Google Glass. And I, I, I get the feeling this is going to be a rather contentious subject amongst the three of us here. But I put it in here partially for that reason and partially because I think it needs to be brought up. You're just trying Enough, to troll us. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. But it's not really intentional. I just know it's going to cause contention. There have been a few cases brought up recently with Google Glass where people have gotten real negative press on it. And Google has come to their defense vehemently trying to make everyone else feel bad for discriminating against Google Glass in their eyes. And in my mind, it has become a very passive-aggressive PR campaign trying to shame everyone else for thinking Google Glass is not a viable technology yeah, or for making fun of it. In a way that, yeah, they're trying to correct a lot of misunderstandings about Google Glass. And most of these misunderstandings arose way before the development that, you know, the Explorer versions of Google Glass were released. And so uh, they've been perpetuated through the community um, without a lot of uh, actual Google glasses in the wild. So it's been hard to, to debunk a lot of these myths. And so, well, and, and there are the ones that should be debunked and that's okay. That, I, I'm reading through this FAQ and it's like, Oh, well, I didn't know that. I'm glad they said that. Why didn't they say this before? Well, we've you know, always why... known that Google isn't that great with PR. So. <laughs> well, uh, but on top of that, there are parts of it though, that aren't myths that weren't rumors that came up before the glass did. These are things we know for sure that have since come out that are not inaccurate. They are totally accurate. Some of these are just kind of silly. Um, one person, one of the frequently asked questions is, is that, isn't it true that Google Glass is always recording, always looking at this? And they answer, of course it's not true. It can't handle that. The battery can't handle it. It's not built for it. It's not streaming for it. And besides, you'd see a light on you know, a, a light on if it were recording. Think of it this way. Just because you have a smartphone, how would you feel if someone came up to you constantly and say, and asked, are you recording me right now? Of course you wouldn't. It's a smartphone. And this, again, is an issue where Google is completely detached from reality. The fact of the matter is, if I'm holding a recording device at eye level aimed at you, yes, you're going to ask me if I'm recording. Well, <laughs> Whether or not you see the light. And also... How hard is it to install something that turns off the light when it's recording? There's stuff like that up for cell phones all over the place that can modify your LED behavior. Also, your cell phones are always listening. They're always recording. Yeah, and, and that's not the case with Google Glass right now. But what I, what I think Google is missing is that, no, you're right. 
people wouldn't ask that just because I have a smartphone. However, if I'm walking around with a smartphone out in front of me, camera lens aimed at you all the time everywhere I go, yes, people are going to ask, are you recording me? It's not that out of the question for them to ask that. Right. But they, but they do explain that uh, any video that's recorded from Google Glass is only a 10-second video. And and so in order to be recording all the time, you'd have to, unless you had it hacked, you'd have to be sitting there touching your, your Google Glass or giving it a voice command to start recording every 10 seconds again. So it's it's very unlikely that someone be, could be recording constantly, according to this, this PR article. So. But somebody, the person wearing it doesn't need to be the pers- give, person giving it the voice command. I'm sitting here with my cell phone running the Google Now launcher. All I've got to do is walk into a room and have somebody say something that sounds even remotely close to OK Google and my phone freaks out and launches Google Voice Search. Yeah, It gets better. I was over at my brother-in-law uh, place we were uh, and I was checking out his Titanfall and I kept talking about the Xbox and every time I mentioned it, his Xbox would pause play and listen for me. Yeah. Waiting for a command. He had to go in and manually hit exit the game, go in and turn off the listening function. So I, the biggest issue to me on this is that it's kind of like what we talked about before with the Q. You remember the Nexus Q? Google has all these really, really great tech, bits of technology. They just really seem to have a massive disconnect with how people actually use technology. Yeah. Well, I'm and, sorry. And I'm sorry, go ahead. One reason is, it, I mean... I, I understand that it's because most of the employees of Google are engineers. And, and as, as an engineer myself, well, not up to the quality of uh, or caliber of Google, but uh, as an engineer myself, I, I am kind of socially disconnected at times. Um, and when you're embedded in your project or your, uh, you know, your, your piece of hardware or your, your software, it's really hard from to take an outside point of view and i think that's kind of most of of google's point of view since most it's most of their culture it's most of how they operate it's it's hard for them to get an outside point of view and and they're always in that sub reality or sort of reality of what they want you know our future to be so no that that makes a lot of sense uh reading another one here is a uh, myth number Three glass explorers are technology worshiping geeks. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not a myth. Who else spends that kind of money on unproven hardware just to wear around everywhere like it's going to be the end all thing? But there, I love their answer here. Our explorers come from all walks of life. They include parents, firefighters, zookeepers, brewmasters, film students, reporters, and doctors. First thing, brewmaster isn't a real thing. <laughs> Uh, sorry, it's not. It's not an actual title anywhere. Second, if your doctor is wearing Google Glass while he's performing medicine, he should not be a doctor. Especially if he's a lady doctor. I, are you recording me? Are you no, recording I'm just now? looking up the recipes of yeah. my dinner. I'm just wearing this just because. I Really? <laughs> sorry. No, that myth is absolutely correct. Well, they may be parents, firefighters, doctors, reporters, but those parents, firefighters, doctors, and brewmasters are technology-worshipping geeks. <laughs> so, 
Uh, myth number seven, glass is the perfect surveillance device. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not a myth. It is. Well, That's not saying it's built for it right now. And they've signed, say, they've signed deals with Oakley and Ray-Ban this week, and they're coming becoming available for people who wear prescription lenses. It is the perfect surveillance device. Mm-hmm. Well, here's their answer to that. If a company sought to design a secret spy device, they could do a better job than glass. Let's be honest. If someone wants to secretly record you, there are much, much better cameras out there than one you wear conspicuously on your face that lights up every time you give a voice command or press a button. It's called hiding in plain sight. How many spy yeah. movies have you guys seen where they wear yeah. a camera in I, their glasses? Yeah. Here, here's the... <laughs> I've linked two other articles as well uh, that have happened. One of them is kind of a um, – she's a really popular tech blogger in the San Francisco area. She's kind of a tech evangelist and was kind of given a hassle for wearing Google Glass. She took to the blogosphere, and everyone rallied behind her. The problem is is that, as it turns out, this particular blogger has been charged with um, uh, voyeurism before when it was just a smartphone. She was holding a smartphone into a neighbor's window and recording everything. So that's not really the type of person you want to have glass. The other one is up in Seattle where a gentleman was at a restaurant and was asked by the manager to please disable it and, you know, take it off or please, or, or please leave that they had a standing policy at the restaurant. And he took to Facebook and wrote this huge rant calling for that manager's job. He wanted to, he wrote to the, to the restaurant owner and said that they, he wanted that manager fired. The, the restaurant owner posted to their own Facebook saying, it is our policy. We didn't ask you to turn off your seeing eye dog or we didn't take an oxygen tank from you. It's a toy. Please take it off next time or don't come back. Yeah. I just, it's, I think if we can be honest about one thing and that is that Google is not beta testing these anymore. You don't, I mean, Zoner knows this better than anyone. You don't put out a beta testing product out there run a PR campaign for it, name everyone who uses it explorers. I mean, that's what they're doing. The beta test is done. This is now a PR test. The people who bought it literally gave Google money to be a part of their PR campaign, and it's failing. Yep. That's the truth. (laughs) I don't disagree. I I really don't. I think So maybe this wasn't as contentious as I thought. No. I I completely disagree. Fight me. <laughs> but I I I do Thanks, have some, I do have some biases uh to, towards it in in its defense, but only because um I am a how do they say it? A I'm trying to look for it again. I am a technology worshipping geek. If I had the money, I probably would own uh my own pair of Google Glass. But uh and fact, we would laugh. The fact of the matter is I, I don't have that kind of money, and I don't have Google Glass. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of biased towards it, but um, in the same right, uh, I, can, I can acknowledge that it's failing. And, and it's, it's unfortunate on, on, one, on one side, um, but on the other side, it's kind, of, it's kind of good in a way that we're able to see how society reacts to something like this so that future technology can, can adapt to it. I I think that's where we're kind of going with, with smart watches and other Mm -hmm. types of wearables. So is this Microsoft's tab or is this Google's equivalent of Microsoft's tablet from the nineties? 
This is Google's equivalent of Apple's announcement that you're holding it wrong. <laughs> you don't like Google Glass because you're holding it wrong. This is your fault that you don't like it. It, it really is. Yeah. It is a very passive-aggressive, no, no, this is on you. You should be ashamed that you're ostracizing people who might be recording you at any second. <laughs> no, no, my point, I, I, is society just not ready for this? Like, society wasn't ready when Bill Gates gave us a tablet. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, are we just not to that point where we're comfortable society, with this type of technology in our lives? Society always always takes a while to catch up to the early adopters. Um, I've had a smart TV for over five years now, and smart TVs are just now, I you know, becoming popular. Now, now, yeah, Zook's hesitation is is not without merit. The Google Glass. Probably, if it if it is adopted, will take longer than five ten years. Probably won't ever be adopted, um, but it's because of the fear society has about what's going on with the NSA and um, the questions of of privacy and security. If this were released um, maybe twenty years ago, where people didn't really care much for personal security or didn't understand personal security, it might be a little different. I don't know. Yeah. I th the reason I hesitate here is because I don't think Google Glass will ever be accepted as it currently stands because and the reason being is because it's not a tool. It's a toy. I don't care what Google says, it's a toy. Yeah. A $1500 do any, toy. Well, it's a prototype right now, so it's a very expensive toy, but it doesn't do anything that's so vital that you need it. <laughs> Everything else that took a while to catch on was originally a tool in some way. Smartphones took a while to catch on, but even when they started to catch on, it wasn't, it was more, why does your kid need that? Remember, why does your kid need an iPhone? Really, why are you getting your kid a smartphone? Yeah. It wasn't, why does anyone need a smartphone? Because smartphones had been around for a while. They were tools. Mm -hmm. They had an original specific purpose and then became a toy. I still hold that Google Glass is a toy. It's a solution looking for a problem. Yeah, and, and if you put it that way, um, if it were to become a tool or something that's that's functional more than just you know luxury, we already have that. Heads-up displays for military or fighter pilots that's been around for twenty, forty, twenty to forty years. Um, and so, yeah, what 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 is the use case scenario of a civilian using it? Um, and that's when it classifies itself as a toy. <laughs> yeah. So so we want to hear what everyone else thinks, too. Feedback at StolenDroids.com, because this really is kind of a hot-button issue right now. Mm -hmm. uh, into international news. we got to move on here before we run out of time. Uh, some interesting news happened this week in Turkey. First off, earlier this week, Twitter was banned in Turkey after uh, politicians accused Twitter of passing around anti-government sentiment in the wake of an upcoming election. Well, a court in Turkey said, no, I don't think you can do that, and so has suspended it. And then, just today, the Prime Minister banned YouTube. Again. Again. <laughs> this time because a video was uploaded that showed the, uh, uh, maybe it was the Prime Minister, but it was a high-level official teaching his son how to hide money from investigators. <laughs> oh, gee. And YouTube refused to take it down, saying there was no real reason to take it down. It wasn't put up without anyone's consent. It wasn't, you know, it's not illegal. It's not showing any kind of brutality or rape or sex or anything that would go against 
their terms of service. Sorry, it's your fault. It's egg on your face. So the prime minister blocked the entire YouTube service for the country. How long until they just shut down the internet? I, <laughs> I kind of get the feeling you you know you ever have a you ever have a boss that didn't know that something was technologically capable. Like I didn't know our network could do that, and once they learn that it's possible, they want to do that for everything, including for things it shouldn't be done on. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can color code cells in Excel? Man, I need to do that for every freaking cell in this 12-sheet workbook. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you no, you don't. You don't do that. can make my text and my email flashing. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to make my text flashing everywhere. It's like, you can block a website? Sweet. What websites do I hate the most? Let's hit them all. Now, I was always under the assumption that Turkey was a really kind of democratic, open state. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I've never been there. But I this is kind of confusing to me on why. Yeah, sorry. Guess what? You're an idiot. You taught your kid how to hide money from investigators. You taught them basically how to be corrupt on YouTube. Yeah. That's your fault, not YouTube's. Why would you video that? I, in case they needed to review it later. For posterity? I mean... I didn't know the Google Glass was on. Yeah. <laughs> it just... That makes no sense. If you're doing something that's uh, stupid or illegal or both, don't record yourself for video evidence that can be used against you later in court. Or yeah. at your beheading. Yeah. I. It's just dumb. Um, and finally, um, Kim.com, he can't stay out of the headlines. Uh, he has decided to go into politics in, uh, in New Zealand. He's founded yeah. the internet party. That's yeah. Uh, I have a feeling the internet party doesn't really have any borders. Um, all I know is there ain't no party like an internet party because an internet party don't stop. It's true. The internet never stops. <laughs> Probably full of cats. <laughs> How did I, I, I am partially convinced that this guy, now if you don't remember, Kim.com was the founder of Mega Upload. His, his compound was famously raided by the FBI. Everything was confiscated. Uh, they tried to extradite him back to the U.S. on multiple counts of uh, copyright infringement. But it turns out that everything was done wrong in the case. And it was eventually, it's just, from what I understand right now, it's just kind of in limbo. And But all of his assets were restored to him. I don't think he's doing this seriously. He's the kind, He strikes me as the kind of guy who does this all just for publicity, just to stay in the public consciousness. Probably. But you never know. Could you imagine him next Prime Minister of Australia? I bet they'd get some of those banned video games. I'll bet you they'd finally get in internet. The internet is so expensive down in Australia. It is insane. The country on average has like a 1.5 megabit download. Oh, sorry. New Zealand. Crap. Never mind. Yeah. My whole argument just fell apart. I was going to say. 
Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Um, so that's kind of the joke news. Hey, before we go into our favorites, we got some feedback on our latest pre-show here. Uh, I wanted to bring it up because I don't know if we'd remember to bring it up next time. Uh, from I Feast on Glue, which is a hilarious name, by the way. Uh, was it ever explained why Stark is no longer on this specific show? He's on Starfleet Academy, which is on Stolen Droid's site, so it doesn't seem to be some contention problem or anything. Maybe this was answered and I didn't listen to that episode, or it was just that it doesn't need to be explained. Will we see him again on the show? Stolen Droids presents old friend Stark. Good show. I guess I just miss. <laughs> I, I guess I just miss Stark. That's actually a good question. And honestly, I don't remember if we specifically brought it up. I think we, we did in passing, but yeah, we didn't want to like shine a light on it and make it a big issue because it really wasn't a big issue. Uh, no, Stark is still a friend of ours. He's a, he's a personal friend. Um, and we still chat frequently. What it is is that if you haven't noticed by now, Stark is like the all things guru with Star Trek. Uh, he always has been, and he is like the top one in the state. He's one of the top ones in the nation. Few people know this, but he was in Star Trek magazine, uh, where he went up as a Uber geek against other Uber geeks around the nation for their trivia contest. Um, the guy knows his stuff, and he had brought up frequently over the course of the show that he worried we were going more towards tech, and that wasn't our original intention. But it is kind of where we went. So it was suggested that he spin off another show that centers more on his Star Trek side, which is why where Starfleet Academy came from. That's his creation. It's his baby. Um, I helped train Trekkie Jill, who's one of the professors and who's their producer. Um, I taught her all my tricks when it comes to editing and uploading and whatnot. And they run that autonomously and they do. I think they do a great job. So it was it was it wasn't that we got rid of Carl, of Stark because. Like I said, he's a good friend of ours, and we love him. We just felt it would be better if we could get more people with more interests by bringing in something he really loves and is really good at. So could he be on Stolen Droids Presents Old Friend Stark? Maybe. It might be a fun episode to have Stolen Droids Presents All the Droids. <laughs> that would be a fun episode. Because we actually have a lot of people. Just load us up with Mountain Dew and pizza and go at it. We we got Rio, we got Alexander, we got Derek, Amber, we have Trekkie Jill, we have Krothos, we have Stark, we have Professor Pepper, Zoner, Schmitty, myself, Doctor Squishy. Squishy. We're a big family. A lot of droids. <laughs> if only we were all in the same area, we'd just have a huge barbecue. Okay, so I, but I hope that answers your question. No, there was never any contention there. So, um. On to our favorites real fast because we're running short on time. Mine so far um, have been these great looks from the Royal Observatory in England with Cosmos coming out uh, with the, you know, the remake of the old Carl Sagan Cosmos. A lot of people have been looking at hard uh, science with astronomy, but it's kind of still confusing. People don't understand how big things are or how far way things are so the royal astronomy made these really really awesome videos these short videos each one's about five minutes long well animated well explained the simplest thing what's inside a black hole how do we know how old the sun is how big is the universe they're very very accurate they're very concise but they're very entertaining at the same time you should definitely check them out because they're a lot of fun and uh, you'll learn you something too and my favorite this week is a documentary film. Last week I gave a site with a bunch of documentaries on it. This week it's actually a documentary film called Dear Mr. Watterson. 
it is about Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, talking with Fred Schroeder last the other night, uh, we kind of got insight into this a little bit, and I wanted to delve into comic strips a bit more, specifically Calvin and Hobbes. It's really well done. Give it a go. Nice. Uh, my favorite uh, comes to us from uh, a DreamWorks animator. Uh, he started a uh, YouTube channel called Action Movie Kid, uh, where he films his three-year-old in, in certain adventures. And the particular video that I'm sharing is called Toy Lightsabers, where his he gives his son a toy lightsaber at uh, his local Toys R Us, and it turns out to be a real lightsaber. So uh, check it out. Excellent. Well, um, hope you don't mind the fast ending here. Uh, turned out to be much more a full episode than we expected. Again, uh, let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Check us out on Google+. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Uh, we'd love to see you at the pre-show. Uh, you can help to decide what goes on to the show when you come to the pre-show. So until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.